So I can remember um, daydreaming about the good life, you know, about living, living, living the good life. And, you know, it didn't, it didn't matter what the week was because mine changed from week to week. One time it was, well, I lived here. Another time it was I would live there. But they, all of my daydreams about the good life always started with one thing, and that was this, me having all the money I ever wanted to do everything I ever wanted to do. You know, every, as far as I was concerned, after that, everything else would fall into place. So the good life for me was, you know, having like a billion dollars. And, and that's, that's just really the way I, I would daydream about it. And so I have a question for you guys. What is, what is your daydream? Just think about it real quickly. What is your you know, daydream? Oh, that would be the good life. You know, sitting on the beach in, in, in Maui. I, I'm, a, I'm a big want-to-go-to-Hawaii-one-day person, too. But, um, you, you know, you, you probably have it. You've probably had those moments where you're, you're thinking those things. Well, um, society and culture and things tells us all different stuff. Tells us that there are a bunch of different things that would be uh, the good life. Uh, Dr. Oz, you know, how many of you know who Dr. Oz is? Never met the man, but um, he, he has a magazine called, well, you are reading it, come on. <laughs> the Good Life, right. He, he has a magazine called The Good Life, and so apparently, according to Dr. Oz, the good life is living fit and healthy and eating right and, and taking the right supplements and, and, and doing all of those stuff. And then on the other hand, you see on the other side of the screen there, you got Nestle. We're talking about the chocolate people, all right? Nestle, Toll House, Cookies people. According to them, the good life is eat dessert and get fat, okay? That, that's, their, that's their picture, right? There's a Nestle Toll House place in Rosenberg in the Brazos Town Center. If you haven't been there, it's awesome, okay? So which is it? Is the good life being healthy and fit and trim or is it eating dessert? Come on, we, we, I mean, they both say it's the good life, right? right. Well, how, how about, yeah. I think the dessert wins. Dessert wins. <laughs> dessert wins every time. Wins for me every time. Um, Making me hungry, man. I'm sorry. Um, what about wealth and fame and notoriety? Uh, uh, you know, what about, you, you, we see these actors and these actresses that they have, a lot of stuff. I mean, they're, the people will do what they say. We laugh at them. We cry with them. Some of us wish that we knew them, you know, or you, know, you have other daydreams of, about these folks. What about having that, that mansion, um, you know, that massive, beautiful home, or, or you have some pimped out truck or, or Jeep or something like that? If you notice, uh, we're in Texas, baby, so those are trucks. There ain't no cars up there. Um, <laughs> you know, is that having the good life? You know, if I just, if I had that, oh, it would be, it'd be awesome. Um, so, uh, it, do people who don't have these things, do they have any chance at having the good life? You know, I mean, if you, if you, um, you know, if you drive a hoopty, do you have a chance at a good life? If you live in a, in a place that, that's like the opposite of the mansion you saw, I, I grew up, I mean, when, when we first got married, we had a trailer house. Uh, and so it, my, I had, my yard looked a little better, um, but we, we, I've lived there. And, and so does that mean I couldn't or you couldn't have the good life? If that's, the, the, can you not have the good life if you look more like olive oil than Angelina Jolie? You know, can you not have the good life if you don't have a perfect physique and a perfect body and, you know, um, whatever else goes along with that? You know, can, can you do it? Can you have the good life if you um, have a minimum wage job versus a CEO of a company? Can you have a good life if you don't have a, a large income 
live in a, an affluent neighborhood or have a you know, really solid family? Well, we believe that the Bible helps us to know what the good life really is. And Jesus talked about this. We're, let's look at what he said in the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus said this. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Sounds like the good life, doesn't it? Rich, full, and satisfying life. So when you think of that phrase, rich and satisfying, just I want you to kind of daydream a little bit what comes to your mind. Well, we're going to answer that and look at it. And we want to start by kind of flipping the coin over and say, what is the rich and satisfying life not? What isn't it? Before we look at what it is, okay? And so to help us out, we're going to use some people in modern culture that on the surface you would think, yeah, they got it. They got, they got the good life for sure, okay? Our, our first world authority is Jim Carrey, all right? The actor Jim Carrey. Now, he made lots of movies, and my favorite is The Grinch, you know, the Christmas one. Y'all, y'all seen that? I, that? I love that one. I, I think he's a comedic genius, and he's very popular and has a lot of money, so much money that his net worth is over $150 million. So the boy's rolling in it, and uh, one day he was asked about, you know, life in general, and do you have the, you know, are you, how do you like living the good life and whatever? And I want you to hear what Jim Carrey said about this. Look, look at what he said. Jim Carrey said, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. Isn't that interesting? Pretty thoughtful. Pretty thoughtful, I think. So Jim Carrey says, I've got it all, but all this maybe isn't it. Okay? All right, now we're going to look at a, another Hollywood person. And, and ladies, hold on. We don't want you to swoon and f- fall out of your chair. Okay, you guys, you might grab your guy there. Okay, here it comes. Brad Pitt. Ah, oh, they all sigh anyway. Anyhow, I'm glad my wife's up with the children. I wouldn't have to see her up down here sighing over Brad Pitt. Anyhow, obviously Brad Pitt's famous and has a lot of money and until recently was married to a famous wife. And he was voted in a magazine a few years ago, the sexiest man alive. So, you know, Brad Pitt seems to ha- have it all right. Well, he was being interviewed one day. And the interviewer was asking him this kind of questions about life and, and what he thinks of life since, you know, he kind of has it all. Listen to what Brad Pitt said, okay? Man, I know all these things are supposed to seem important to us. The car, the condo, our version of success. But if that's the case, why is the general feeling out there reflecting more impotence and isolation and desperation and loneliness? If you ask me, I say, toss all this. We got to find something else. Because all I know is that at this point in time, we are heading for a dead end, a numbing of the soul, a complete atrophy of the spiritual being. And I don't want that. Man, he's really thinking about life, isn't he? And so the interviewer goes on and says, okay, so if we're heading toward this huge dead end that society is going to just come to a, you know, a halt and be totally bankrupt spiritually, what, what do you think should happen? So he's saying, Brad, what's the answer, right? Listen to what Brad says next. He says, hey, man, I don't have those answers yet. The emphasis now is on success and personal gain, and I'm sitting in it, and I'm telling you, that's not it. I'm the guy who's got everything, I know. But I'm telling you, once you've got everything, then you're just left with yourself. I've said it before and I'll say it again. It doesn't help you sleep any better and you don't wake up any better because of it. Wow, 
rich and famous, sexiest man alive, and he's saying, this ain't it. This is not what life's all about. So I want us to go back now in our mind to Jesus. When he made that statement about the rich and satisfying life, he was speaking to a mixed group of people. He was speaking to a people that would include old and young, men and women, rich and poor, educated, uneducated. So he always spoke to mixed crowds. He very seldom was in a very, you know, slice of, of a society. He was always speaking to the crowds. And so the first thing we can see that is that if there's a good life that God has for us, this good life is the same for everybody. It's not dependent on circumstances. It's not about how much money or education or how good looking you are. It's not about that. It's the same for everybody. It is not circumstance dependent. All right. Now, the next thing we can see is that this good life starts on the inside. You know, so much of what we're about as humans is, is what we can see and feel and touch. And, you know, we've got to deal with the tangible world but when it comes to real life that God has for us, that rich and satisfying life, it starts on the inside. The Apostle Paul was writing to believers in the city of Rome, and he was talking about this, trying to help these folks have this rich and satisfying life that God wants for us. In the uh, Romans chapter 8, look at what the Apostle Paul wrote. A mind focused on the flesh is doomed to death. Let's stop there. A mind focused on the flesh. The word flesh in this context is simply a metaphor for everything physical. You know, human flesh and blood, what I can see, the tangible world. That if your mind is focused on that, what's it going to lead to? Is it going to lead to life? No, he says that leads to death, unfulfillment, like Jim Carrey and Brad Pitt are talking about, right? But then he goes on. Paul says, but a mind focused on the Spirit, capital S, on God will find full life and complete peace. So there it is, just a little different way of saying this rich and satisfying life. It comes not looking at the external, but understanding that it's an internal thing. We, it's about God and me. It's a spiritual thing. All right? So what's the next thing we can see about this good life that God has for us? Jesus' definition of the good life was to live totally in connection to God. The good life that God has for us is a life in which we live connected to God, like this invisible rope that I'm just always holding on to, and God's got the other end, and we're together. We're in this thing together. Jesus lived that way in connection to God. He talked about it in another place in the Gospel of John in chapter 8. Let's look at what Jesus said about his life of connection to God the Father. Look at what he says. The one who sent me... Is with me. He's talking about God the Father, right? The one who sent me is with me. So God's with me. And what happens? I always do what is pleasing to him. So Jesus is saying, because I live connected to God, he's always with me. I know what to do in every situation. I know what to say. I know the decisions to make. I know the best way to use my time today. I know the people that God wants to use me to help today, to speak to, to heal or whatever. Jesus is saying, I always, constantly, 24-7, because I'm connected to God, can do what's pleasing to him. And then look at the rest of it. So he, again referring to God, has not left me alone. So there's a, a cycle of spiritual, supernatural life going on here. God is with Jesus. Jesus is saying, I'm connected to him, and so I'm always doing what pleases him, and he's always with me. It just feeds itself. This is the kind of life God has for you and for me. 
where we could live connected to God and we can learn the best way to live and make the best decisions and in this sense, in these words, do it is pleasing to God, which is always for our good. His will for you is always for your good. He may lead us into challenging times and whatever, but it's always good. And so to have a, a heart that says, God, I want to please you, is saying, I trust you. You have good for me. So let, let's get a little more specific with this, okay? Jesus lived this way, so what did it look like? What was the result in the life of Jesus? What difference did it make for him personally, okay, in living connected to God and doing what pleased God? In living this good life, constantly connected to God, Jesus lived the freest life ever. He was free. And I want to elaborate on that a little bit. He was free from the opinions of other people. Jesus was free from the, the fear of people, from rejection and how others might treat him. Sure, he, he loved people, and that's why he came to earth. But ultimately, he knew that as he pleased God, that would take care of the people, right? And so he was free of always worrying about others' opinions and peer pressure, we would call it today. He was free of that. He also was free of some of the things that we carry around as baggage because we're human and we make mistakes. We carry around things like guilt, regret, shame, things like that. Jesus lived free of that because he always did what pleased the Father. He didn't have to live with guilt, shame, regret, stuff like that. Now, I want you to think now the, the big picture of Jesus' life. He, he lived publicly for just three years, sharing with people the good news that God loved you and he sent me and I'm on a mission to pay for the sins of the world. And so then at age 33, Jesus willingly allowed himself to be crucified on the cross to die for our sins, to pay for our sins so we could be made right with God, right? So at just 33 years old, where most people would say, what a shame, what a tragedy, what a, for a young man to die at 33, that's terrible. But that's not what Jesus said. He knew he had come and done the will of God. He had pleased God in all things. So he's on the cross, and what did he say up there? He said, it's finished. I've done God's will. I'm ready to go be with the Father now. At just 33, but that was because he had a handle on living with God, in connection with God, like we're talking about. And there was life in that for him, and rich and satisfying life. So, in this good life, we want to just keep drilling down to see what it really, really boils down to, okay? And we want to quote a guy this morning named C.S. Lewis. He's one of our favorite guys to quote. <clears throat> he was a uh, a college professor in England in the last century and an author and a public speaker. He's probably most famous today for the uh, children's books he wrote, the, the uh, Chronicles of Narnia. Disney made a movie uh, a while back called The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe based on his first book. Well, C.S. Lewis was talking about this subject one day, the good life. What's it really like? And I want us to look at what C.S. Lewis said. C.S. Lewis said, God created us. He invented us. As a man invents an engine. A car is made to run on gas and it doesn't run properly on anything else. Now God designed the human machine to run on himself. God himself is the fuel our spirits were designed to burn. Or the food our spirits were designed to feed on. There is no other. 
That's why it's just no good asking God to make you happy in your own way without having to bother about Christianity. Let me pause there for a second. Picture just the average guy on the street. The average guy or gal would say, sure, I believe in God, and sure, I pray, and I ask God to help me and, you know, give me peace or, or, or give me wisdom, and, and, and they're just hoping somehow they, they get something from God. But all they've got is just kind of a hope and a, and a wish and kind of throw up a prayer and hope maybe God catches it. And, and most folks see God that way because they don't have a connection to him like we're talking about. They don't have that personal, real meaningful relationship to God in which they sense his presence like Jesus said he is with me and as I do what's pleasing to him and we continue to have this close close relationship they don't have that they're just they're just kind of hoping and they are living the life that illustrates what C.S. Lewis just said so I want to back up and read that last sentence one more time and then I'll finish the paragraph C.S. Lewis said that's why it's just no good asking God to make you happy in your own way without having to bother about Christianity, without having to bother about a relationship with him. Now, look at this. He just nails it. God can't give you happiness and peace apart from himself. We don't talk very often about what God can't do because on one hand we say he can do everything. But when it comes to this and you say, God, I want what life's all about, I want what life's all about, then he says, here I am. (laughs) That's the only way he can answer that prayer. That he himself is what life's all about. He is what your soul longs for. Only in God will you find real, meaningful, purposeful life that we're talking about. That life, Jesus said, that's rich and satisfying. And let me read it and wrap it up. So God can't give you happiness and peace apart from himself. There's no such thing. So the good life is the life that God created you to live. That, that is going to be the, the only good life that you can really have. Um, and, and, and by the way, we can't create this. Only God can create this for us. Um, about, well, some time ago, it was on a Sunday, um, a lady walked in here to, into this auditorium, and it was a Sunday morning church, and uh, the music is playing, and um, she begins to break down and cry. And she, you know, of course, we didn't know at the moment, but here's what had happened. Uh, her life um, had been, it was, was devastated. Um, she had been trying to live the good life uh, on her own, in her own mind of the way, it, what it should look like. And, and, and what, it's, what it had led to in that day was just kind of like, it all came together right here, here in the auditorium. And and she, you know, her, her life was shattered. Her, her, she had a divorce was looming uh, on her marriage. Her, her family was just broken apart. She was at the bottom, as far down to the bottom as she could ever imagine being in life. And what she did was she couldn't, you know, it was just so overwhelming. She walked out of here and walked out those doors. And, 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 and let me back up. When she got here and when she walked on the property, she took her kids to kids' church, checked them in, and then took them up there, or they went up there, and, and so she was walking out these doors, crying, thinking, you know, probably, and this is maybe a little embarrassing or something, you know, I can't, I, I just can't take it, and so she was going to leave, but, you know, we had her kids up in kids' church, and so they were being held hostage, and she couldn't go anywhere, and so she had to stay, well, and, and so she walked outside, 
And as she's outside and she's, you know, crying, uh, one, of our, one of the ladies here that was part of the amazing Ignite crew we had saw her. And she walked out there and uh, prayed with her, let, just kind of put her arm around her and, and let, this, let this gal who's just obviously just going through it, let her cry on her shoulder. Now, um, if we, oh, oh wait, there's a, there's a part of the story. Now, you know, since then, obviously, we've talked to her, and, and we asked her this question, um, or asked her a question, and, hey, did you ever, at this bottom part of your life, this, this horrible, did, did you ever think about um, committing suicide? And her response was, every single day. As a matter of fact, she, she wasn't a drinker before, but she had started drinking in the evening to go to sleep so that she wouldn't kill herself. This is how bad life had gotten, and, and she, she would admittedly say she, you know, it was her doing because she was trying to live life the way she thought you know, it would be good and the way she wanted. Well, fast forward to September 25th of this year, a few weeks ago. Um, she walked up to me here in, in church, right outside these doors, gave me a hug and said, hey, you know what, it's, this is my one-year anniversary, and I knew what she was talking about because... I just, you know, I knew immediately, and, and so um, th- this lady today is way different than the lady of a year ago. Now, what's happened in her life? Um, she didn't get rich. You know, she didn't win the lottery. She didn't buy a mansion. She didn't get a pimped out ride. Um, she hasn't become famous, but what she did was that day where she came and everything was broken, and, and I know she probably wouldn't have thought it in these terms, but that day she started living the good life. She connected with God for real that day. And I want to read you something. I want to read you just, uh, we, we, we got her to tell us some stuff, and so I'm going to read you a, kind of a, a conglomeration of the things that she said, um, and these are her words. I believed I lived a life that I didn't have to answer to anyone. I lied so much that I, I didn't know what the truth was, and I had friends that enabled me, you know, people that helped her keep up the lies. And I had only one friend, I, I think I would put in there, I had only one real friend who stood by me. September 15th, 2015, my husband filed for divorce, my friend invited me to church, and she said, they're playing a movie. Church that day, and the lady who held me outside and, and prayed, prayed, me, prayed for me changed me. I'm not the same person I used to be. I have now made real friends, and I tell everyone to come to Ignite because I'm so proud to have you all in my family. Now, that day, you know, a little over, just a little over a year ago, she started to live the good life, the life that God created her to live. And today, uh, you know, like now, her and her husband, uh, number one, they didn't get divorced. Um, they're together. The family is together. Um, they, they're part of our Ignite crew. They're part of the same crew that uh, the, the lady that went out and put her arm around her, they're, they're now part of that team. Your life may or may not be exactly like hers. You know, you, you may not have been in the exact same spot, but I would bet you that everybody in here has had some sort of pain, 
some sort of devastation in her life, something where you were trying to live the life you thought was what was great and good and you had pictured in your mind uh, that it, you know, this is going to be what it is. This, is, this is where I'm going to be happy, and it didn't work out that way. Um, you might be there right now. You could be in that spot today. The reason that you, you, you would be there is because you're, you're trying to do all of that without God, without him being connected to you for real. You, you might have been that person. I love what Ed said earlier about you might just throw up a prayer. You know, yeah, I pray. I believe in God. This lady that we're talking about, she believed in God and she prayed, but church, she wasn't a church person. She wasn't, that wasn't part of her life. Other than throwing up those prayers, God really wasn't leading her life. And if that's you today, I want you to know that there's some fantastic news. You can start the good life today. Like the real thing. Where even if you did or even if you do drive the hoopty or live in the shack, you can still have the good life. None of that stuff matters. Um, and none of that stuff makes a life good. And this excites me. And I want to tell you why. Because only the good life leads us into our best, that specific, that personal life. The, the best life we can have, living the good life with God is the only way that can happen. And I'll be honest, I want that. Um, and I want a lot of stuff, but I want the good life more than I want all the stuff. Uh, Jesus did it. Um, this guy, C.S. Lewis, this whole Chronicles of Narnia guy, he, he knew what, we were ta- what, what we're talking about today. Our friend, uh, the, the lady from a year ago who you know, gave me that hug a couple weeks back, she's doing it right here, right now, today. I mean, she's living this life, and, and you can do it too. I want you to take a look at something um, that a guy named David wrote, and it, it made it into the Bible, and it's in, in what we call the book of Psalms, and um, we, we discussed this earlier. We think he, he sang it, and I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to read it, but Psalm 16, 11, here's what he wrote about God. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. He's like, God, I got it. The good life is connected to you. You're going to be the one that shows it to me. You're the one that is going to like, tell me what's good and what's not. You, the way of life. The way we get that is to connect with God. And so we wanna, I, I want you to do something. We want you to do something today. I want you to consider what, you know, that, um, that your view of the good life. The thing we asked at the beginning, hey, you know, what's your imagination, your, your daydream about the good life? Consider if what you thought of is something that would actually give you the good life. Or would it just be, you know, stuff? Look, there's a lot of good things to, to, to go for, to want. It's okay to want a nicer house. It's okay to want a nicer car. It's okay to, you know, want you know, $100,000. I'm sure there's nobody in this room that if I had 100 grand cash and just said, here you go, that you would say, yeah, you know what? I don't want that. It won't help my life any. Um, I got all the money I want. Heck no, you'd snatch it as fast as you could and probably run in case I changed my mind. Um, it's okay. I mean, I mean that, that stuff's okay, but that, that stuff isn't the good life. You might have wrote something on that board out there. And if you notice, when you walk in to the right on the wall, there's always a board that has something about with the series that we're in. And there was a place you could have wrote it. Hey, what, what's your idea of the good life? Well, you might have wrote something up there. And, and that plus all the other things that I mentioned and many others, those are all icing on the cake. The cake itself is, 
connecting to God for real, and living the good life he has for you. All that other stuff, it's good, and it's icing, tastes great. I, I hope that you, you get everything that you, you want and need. But first, I, I hope you get that cake. And so here's what I want to do. Uh, I want to pray for you. And so I'm going to ask you guys to stand up with us. And um, you, don't, you don't have to bow your head and close your eyes if you don't want to. That's not actually... There's not like no law in the Bible that says you have to close your eyes to pray. Um, I like to do it because it helps me not see everybody staring at me. So that, that's the way I'm going to do it. But I, I just, I want to pray for you guys with all my heart because I want you to have, we want you to have the good life. So we want you to connect with God. So you got that picture? What your picture of the good life is? Well, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for everybody in here. And I pray that the, the picture that we had in our minds, our daydreams of the good life, um, I pray that you genuinely show us what our good life looks like. I pray that you show us uh, the, the things that we might have been grabbing for that, that weren't really it. Help us to recognize, God, the places where we're living the good life and we're connected to you and, and help us to maybe recognize places where we don't want to do that, we're trying to hang on to our own version of the good life. And uh, Father, for everybody in here that this might be their first time, might be their first time here at Ignite or the first time at church ever. I pray that you grab hold of them, wrap them up in your arms and love them today. And let them know the good life that you have waiting for them, that they can start with you today. And for people that have been in church for a long, long, long time, I pray that you do the exact same thing. Grab hold of them, love them today, and show them. Begin to just work into their heart what the good life really looks like for them. Lord, we thank you that you have a good life plan for us. And even when that life throws curveballs to us and it may hit us and knock us down from time to time, we thank you that we can get back up because we're connected with you. For everyone in here today, God, that wants to really connect with you, I pray that you answer their prayer. Grab hold of their hearts and Lord, join with their life today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.